It's interesting to think about that, the way that we can experience an event or a show and the impact that the environment has on that and the memory that that creates well into the future. And that's something that we're conscientious about, especially when we have young people or youth in the theater, the way that they, they walk in and they look at the chandelier and they just say, wow. So what makes Michigan a great state? I'm glad you asked. My name is Cliff Dubinois and I'm on a quest to answer that exact question. After 20 years, I've returned to my native Michigan and I'm looking to reconnect with my home state. I'm talking to the people who are behind Michigan's great businesses and top destinations. The same people who work hard every day to make our lives a little bit brighter. And you, Michigander, are coming along for the ride. This is the Call of Leadership Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Call of Leadership. Today, I'm sitting with Thor Rasmussen. And we were inside of the beautiful Temple Theater located in Saginaw, Michigan. He is the marketing manager of the uh, of the of the Theater Temple. And Thor, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. Tell us a little bit about where you're from and where you grew up. So I grew up downstate. I grew up in the Metro Detroit area, mostly in Sterling Heights, and then moved to, to Rochester. I went to Oakland University initially. I went and uh, I got a business degree, started uh, in marketing. So I, I grew up in uh, a much larger metropolitan area than uh, Saginaw is. Certainly. Uh, but, uh, you know, I've, I've come to love Saginaw for, for what it is and uh, the size of town that it is. You can really get around around here in a way that the metro Detroit area uh, doesn't offer. So in, in that sense, um, I was glad that I grew up where I did and I'm glad that I'm living where I'm at now. Because if you think about it, where the, the Temple Theater just located at, we've got the 675 freeway like right there. Like literally it's two minutes from the freeway, so it's easy access for people to come here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, you know, I'd, I'd pass Saginaw as my family took vacations uh, up, north, up north, but yeah. it was it was an exit ramp that we didn't ever exit. So, you know, the ac- accessibility of Saginaw and specifically here downtown Saginaw with the Temple Theater it's really extraordinary, and um, it's it is easy to access from the Detroit region, the Metro Detroit area, and we're working towards uh, hosting programs that attract uh, guests from uh, outside of our our direct region and. and Pull them, pull them a little further north from a, a place like uh, Clarkston or some of the northern suburbs. Certainly. It's as easy to get to the Temple Theater as it is to get to downtown Detroit. And we like to think that uh, the, the, the parking and drive up is a little bit more pleasant, too. Let's talk about the history of this building. So talk to us a little bit about uh, when it was built, what were some of the circumstances under which it was built? Sure. Yeah. So the Temple Theater uh, was built in uh, 1927. It was opened in 1927. It actually only took um, a short period to build because the Butterfield Theater chain that was building the theater was also building theaters all over the, the country. Uh, so they had had a, their processes in place to be able to quickly construct the, the theater. Almost like a franchise model. Almost like a franchise model, yep. And they were uh, responsible for building the building, um, and they leased it from the Shriners. And so the Shriners provided the funding, and then 
Butterfield, um, you know, leased it. And at that time, 1927, this is uh, just prior to the Great Depression, the theater was mostly vaudeville and uh, movies. Silent movies uh, were still a th- fairly popular at that time. So we do still have an organ that was played along with the movies at nice. that time. So through the, through the Depression era, the theater was able to continue to thrive and survive because people were looking for a way to get out and escape, in a sense, some of the troubles of, of the daily life. And, and the theater provided an other world uh, experience uh, when you go to see a movie or a show. It has that effect of being someplace outside of, of the daily life. Right. From there, the, the, the theater went uh, through uh, a period of uh, growth, and, and then, but then also a period of decline. So in um, uh, the 70s, 60s, late 60s, 70s, bigger movie houses were opening up. The development of the downtown area um, con- contracted, and uh, the theater fell into disrepair. Thankfully, there was a, a group that continued to work toward trying to keep the theater open. And uh, in 2002, uh, there was a philanthropist, Dr. Shaheen, who decided to purchase the building. Uh, it was going to be uh, torn down. Uh, the wrecking ball was in, in the parking lot. Whoa. And uh, he put a roof on the building and saved it through that winter and then uh, proceeded to restore the theater to the opulence that it is today. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to just take a step back here and kind of talk a little bit more about the, about the, the history of the theater, especially when it was first founded, because you were talking about the Butterfield Mm -hmm. and building theaters all over. Now it it was initially, was this meant to be more of a playhouse or more of a movie theater or maybe both? Yeah, a a little bit of both. So, um, uh, you know, it was, it was showing, showing movies and it was a movie house but it wasn't it wasn't the only uh, theater in town right. either you know theater was the center of the entertainment life uh, during that period because there's no televisions there's no netflix there's no tiktok <laughs> there's no there's no uh, instagram there's there's uh, there's less comp- competition in a sense for those yes. entertainment dollars the the, the entertainment uh, you know, was the theater, and that was that was how people were uh, were entertained. Were entertained because I think you know, going back in in time, putting this in the historical context of what was happening, you know, not only in the nation but in the world, is this is right about the time where you know film had been developed. They now had machines to actually show movies, mm-hmm. right? And Hollywood's realizing that this could be a real big money maker for them, and they're building out their studios. And like you were talking about silent films, so now for the Butterfield, they're wanting to proliferate theaters all over the nation because the more theaters have showing movies, the more money you're making, the more you know. Well, I know that I think for the movie houses, the the, concession, the concessions are more in house than they do float over to Hollywood. But the the films, the more the more theaters you have out there showing the films, the more money you can make. Yeah, um, you know, I I I'm not the expert on uh, Butterfield. We do we do have a historian that uh, knows far more than than I do. But I, right. I I will say that it's it's interesting to think about the way that that partnership came together between the, the, the Masons and Butterfield, so the, the funding side of things with the Masons and the 
sort of willingness to, to build the theater uh, with Butterfield. Now, you referenced before that there was a time where this building fell into disrepair, mm-hmm. probably f- maybe from you know, lack of usage. People just weren't interested in coming here. Why do you think that was? I think that the there started to be some more of that competition for the entertainment space, and uh, the theater had difficulty keeping up with that. I am grateful for the, the, those that were involved in maintaining the theater and working to, to, to you know, keep it going the way that they did. But I, I think that there, there became more things in the marketplace, so to speak, uh, to... Uh, influence people and in how they use their time. Right. And in, in some senses, that that's something that we continue to deal with even today, maybe on a, in a different way. But we need to continue to evolve and develop programming that patrons appreciate and are willing to come to the theater to see. And I definitely want to make sure that we dive into that more because I would love to explore that particular topic. In the early 2000s, a group decided that they wanted to do something with this building, Mm -hmm. right? And bless their hearts because this this building is beautiful. The interior that I've seen in here is just extraordinary. For audience, you can see photos of it online, but this place is every inch that those photos make it to be. So Dr. Shaheen decided that, you know what, this building is too beautiful. I'm going to buy it. We are going to preserve it. Can you talk a little bit about the, the vision that he had coming in here for this theater. And I would almost have to say just the general impact of the community, because there's probably people here in this community that probably remembered the theater when it was in its all of its glory and were sad to see this building ripped down. So if you could talk to us a little bit about that vision. Yeah, it's it's interesting to think about the, the history of the theater and its longevity, because there are... There are patrons who, uh, you know, had have worked had worked here a long, long time ago, and um, so part of that vision that Dr. Shaheen had um, was to uh, maintain the theater as a, a place of connection for the community, um, and to really provide a space that people can come and uh, a point that the downtown needed it needed an anchor in that entertainment element and so i think that seeing that and having that vision and having that vision realized was was part of what uh he wanted to do and um you know he was for those who may know dr shaheen or have known dr shaheen he was he was a, a a man that got things done and um the best was put into the theater in terms of the, the design and uh, the restructuring of the seats and some of that uh, things that people don't see in the HVAC and uh, you know it's still a it's still a 95 year old theater so sometimes that's a, a challenging thing to work with. Oh, I bet. Um, but the vision to create a, a thriving downtown and have the Temple Theater be a part of that, I believe, was was part of his vision. Excellent. And we're going to discuss that a little bit further, but right now we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors. Hey everyone, Cliff here. Are you looking for a little bit more inspiration? So let me tell you, I have done so many of these interviews with some amazing people from around the state of Michigan. In each interview, I've walked away with something of value. 
So if you're new here or you're just looking for some more inspiration, I'd like to make you a special offer. I will send you the top five most inspirational, most touching interviews that I have done for this show. And with each interview, I'll send you my cliff notes as to the powerful takeaways from each episode and how these can be applied to your life. And I'm giving this away for free. Now you may be saying to yourself, self, how can I take advantage of this? I'm glad you asked. Just head over to callofleadership.com join to get this list sent to your inbox today. Once again, that's callofleadership.com slash join. And now back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. We're talking with Thor Rasmussen from the Temple Theater in Saginaw. And we've been talking about Dr. Shaheen, his vision of restoring this place. So the question that I have for you is because it, it would have been very easy to come in here and say, you know what, we got to modernize, mm-hmm. right? The stuff in here probably wasn't working before. Maybe nobody really liked it. So let's, let's like make this modern, right? Let's blow this out. Let's make this a cinema complex or something else like that. But Dr. Shaheen came in and said, no, we will restore it. So first off, thank you, Dr. Shaheen, because this place is gorgeous. So thank you for wanting to preserve it. But, you know, why, why choose the preservation route versus trying to modernize it? Yeah, so I, I think that maintaining some of that initial opulence that came with the preservation is is important because it brings um, brings some of that history into the story of the theater in a different way than if things were plastered over or, or, or made more modern. I think that it allows us to continue to tell our story and place the theater in a place and time. And so... Um, you know, sometimes it can be a challenge because it wasn't modernized right. in terms of the layout of, of the space or, or modern theater goers uh, have a different experience with artists selling merch or the size of the lobby. But all of that cont- contributes to the character of the building and the experience that guests have where we can uh, still provide an, an exceptional experience in a beautiful space and maintain some of those those historical elements to the building. Um, you know, that said, there were some some changes in the building over, over the years. We Certainly. We used to have, when it opened, it had 2,200 seats, and now we have 1,750. So, you know, there's some, some changes, and I expect there will continue to be some changes that match the, the modern needs of theater goers and our patrons but hopefully in, in ways that respect uh, the character of the building and uh, respect the, the beauty of the, of the building. Because I know from my study of movie theaters, uh, or theaters just in general when they first came out, that it was almost like opulence mm-hmm. of coming in here. Because even back then, they understood that when people were coming here, like you were talking about, to escape their, you know, their regular lives and live in a fantasy for a little bit that that opulence played into it. The word that you chose to use was experience. And I love this word. And I seem to hear this word a lot lately. So that's, that's absolutely wonderful. You do step into that main theater down there. And it's not 
a movie theater experience. It is a theater experience. And I, I mean, I spent more time staring at your ceiling mm. than anything because of the, the attention to detail to the restoration around here is just phenomenal. I mean, it is beautiful. It literally looked like this place could have been built, you know, like a month ago. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting to think about that, the way that um, we can experience an event or a show and the impact that the environment has on that and the memory that that creates uh, well into the future. That's something that we're conscientious about, especially when we have young people or youth in the theater, the way that they they walk in and and they look at the chandelier and they just say, wow. And it's interesting because when we have field trips through, I mean, the the kids are just looking up at the ceiling. Just like me. Just just like (laughs) the adults, you know? And so there's this this particular awe that uh, the theater can can provide. Yes. It's wonderful. Now, you've been, you have shows here. Mm -hmm. You've had a number of really great artists that have come through here. Talk to me a little bit about the you know the process that you go through when you're scheduling mm-hmm. you know these these names to come through because obviously the names can help to attract people to to attend. Right. So talk to us a little bit about about that whole process. How does that work? What is what does your scheduling look like? Right. So the booking process uh, is really a lot about relationships, and so we have somebody on our staff that is reaching out to agents and agencies and staying in touch with uh, those artists that we think would be a good match for the theater. So Interesting. Um, you know, as a not-for-profit organization, we have some uh, cost consciousness about how we accept um, or who we can afford when we're paying the artists and considering the costs that are associated with that. So, you know, it's this balance between... Um, having our wish list of artists and what can we realistically afford uh, in terms of the talent that's coming through based on our ticket sales and and some other factors. But once that relationship is established and there's an agreement and a contract uh, with the artist, then we set an announced date and an on-sale date. And from there, uh, we work to promote the show and communicate that this is happening at, at the theater and, and ensure that we get those people through the door so they can, can have that experience. Um, we're, we've, we've changed our philosophy a little bit about how we're doing our bookings, where before we were laying out a season model where everything was released all at once. Now we're, we're communicating with artists and agents and promoters on an ongoing basis. So if somebody doesn't like something that's announced this week, they might wait till next week and uh, see what else might be uh, right for them. So it's, it's this relationship that we're starting to have more and more with the artists as they, as they look for a, a place to play a show. You know, there's this ecosystem where artists want a place to play the show and we want to have artists in our community and we want to prove out that we have a venue that is a right match for that. And so, you know, sometimes it takes going that extra mile. And we work to 
provide as much of an experience for the artists and the touring manager and, and, and their crew as we do for the, the front of house with our patrons that are coming through the door. So working on, on both ends of that has been really, really important. Because you've actually booked quite a lot of really like named guests. Like when I watch the marquee outside, I'm actually recognizing the names that are popping up there. Yeah, that, that's uh, the idea is to have some more household names coming through the, the theater. Uh, so, for example, we hosted uh, uh, comedian Tom Segura uh, back in August. And within the matter of two weeks, he sold out his first show. And uh, we were able to negotiate a second show. Uh, and something like that is really sort of Temple Theater, where the Temple Theater is going to have these um, larger artists so that we can have more people in the theater, so more people can experience art. And, um, you know, similarly, come the new year, we'll host uh, Jason Isbell. Uh, so nice. that's going to be at the end of January. And then Weird L and John Christ. So is some of these larger artists will provide us the opportunity to continue to build the theater audience and attract people into Saginaw and sort of have people recognize uh, that Saginaw is on the map um, rather than just a exit on the way on the way up north. Exactly. You guys are doing something really special. I do want to take a minute. This is the first time in my interviewing history of all the different businesses that I've talked to throughout Michigan nonprofits. You actually have a podcast here. So talk to us about that. Sure. So the Temple Arts Podcast, it's something that I started during the pandemic because nobody knew really what was going on and we wanted a way to present uh, present artists with a, a voice. And uh, so I started these interviews. And since then, it's, it's evolved a little bit. So uh, now there's guests that are associated with um, exhibitions at the Saginaw Art Museum, as well as guests that we host here at, at the Temple Theater. And it, it doesn't always line up to have all the guests all the time. And sometimes Certainly. there's public relations people that aren't able to have the guests come on the show, but want to provide that as a new avenue for communicating with people about the cool things that are, are happening here, here at the theater. Obviously, I'm a huge advocate when it comes to podcasting, uh, but also one of the things that I maintain about podcasting is that it's the ultimate relationship building tool. So to be able to have guests be able to come on your podcast and talk about maybe about their upcoming show or new things that they've got coming out, I, I think that helps to go a long ways to, because you were talking before about having that ongoing communication, mm-hmm. i.e. relationship mm-hmm. with the agents to make sure that, you know, for Tom Segura, right, and you had him here to be, for him to be able to come back maybe next year mm-hmm. uh, and give another, you know, give another show, yeah. uh, I think would be is beyond beneficial. Yeah, again, some of that storytelling that we're trying to do at the theater, uh, you know, stories, they're not always linear, you know, but uh, a lot of times they have a beginning and a middle and an end. So for us, we we see that, you know, show announce as sort of the beginning of the story. And then we have this middle part where we're communicating and educating people about the show and the artist. And then we have that ending period where people attend the show and they experience the artist for themselves in our space. And then, you know, sort of the, the epilogue of sorts is, is 
having them tell the story, having, having those guests communicate about their experience at the Temple Theater uh, to friends and neighbors and family members. So the next time that something comes around, they're coming back. Yes, and your audience all of a sudden becomes advocates for you. That's and right. And they sit there and say, you saw that in Saginaw? Yes, we did, and it was awesome. That's right. The, I, that's the best communication tool is, is somebody else telling somebody else. For our audience, for anybody who's listening to this particular episode, if they want to you know, connect with you, visit your website, maybe even listen to your podcast, uh, what would be the best ways for them to do that? So the best way to find out what's going on at the temple is to visit our website. That's templetheater.com but also follow along with our social media channels. We're on Facebook and Instagram, uh, TikTok even. We started a TikTok Congratulations. account. Uh, that, that one's been uh, fun the last uh, couple months. It, the TikTok account um, communicates in the voice of the theater as if the theater is a person. So uh, oh, it'll cool. use first-person uh, first uh, communication, like, I have an organ, and I had a whole <laughs> bunch of people here tonight, you know, so, um, but uh, all kinds of ways to connect with the theater. For our audience, we'll have all those links in the show notes down below. Thor, it's been awesome talking with you today about this absolutely beautiful, beautiful building. So thank you for taking time. Absolute pleasure. Yeah.